Welcome back to America Speaks. We are very honored today to have Quentin Williams as our guest. Quentin has had a very diverse and remarkable career as an author, a prolific international speaker, as a former federal prosecutor, and he has worked with the United States Attorney's Office in the District of Connecticut as a federal prosecutor and has held positions as an executive with the NFL, working on off-field policy issues for them. As well, Quentin has worked with the NBA. He currently serves as a business advisor, strategist, and legal expert at the Butler Laporte Williams firm. Quentin is a respected educator with a lengthy record of successful deal-making and community advocacy. Quentin, welcome to America Speaks, and joining us once again is our producer, Kim Langbacker. Quentin, you have been so successful in building relationships between communities and police departments across the country. Can you begin by telling us a little bit about the work you are doing? The work that we're doing with police departments and the communities they serve is the reason why I was born. Other than my two children and raising them to be the best human beings they can be, I was put on this earth to do this work and to help to bridge this divide with police and the communities they serve. And I say that because given the background I have, growing up the way I did, and having the experience of the decimation of a neighborhood, of a community by the crack epidemic. I was always on the other side of law enforcement. I wasn't a troubled kid, but many of those kids were in that industry, the drug industry. Because of that, I was approached by the police a lot because they thought that I was in the industry. And so I was on the other side of the questioning. And so when I grew up and became a law enforcement officer with the FBI, I took into that job the experiences of that child and learning how to build relationships with people allowed that skill set to be the anchor for my success. It's a skill set that has been honed over the years, but a lot of that comes from my mother because my mother knows how to build relationships. Well, let me just say I didn't live a perfect childhood. I have not lived a perfect life. It's not been mistake-free. It's just been full of grace. There's so many times throughout my life when I was making a mistake and I was given another chance. And I think that we sometimes forget about that in our humanity. People make mistakes. So are you going to afford them grace? Are you going to allow them to live with dignity? And that's the one thing I look at in life. I want people to know, no matter how we feel differently about things, no matter what somebody has done, I wanna look at them and provide them with an opportunity to retain their dignity. Several years ago, I had the privilege of going to Martin Luther King's 50th commemoration of his dream speech in Washington. And there was a whole group of different mothers from around the country that came together who had lost their sons to police violence. We are living in a dark and toxic environment full of bias. And this brings me to something I know you know a great deal about, having worked for the NFL. I want to talk about the NFL protest. Kim, I think you and I have had a lot of discussions about this. And when we knew that Quentin was going to be on the show today, you came up with some terrific questions. 
Black athletes have been protesting social justice issues for years. Probably the most famous or infamous incident is in the 1968 Summer Olympics on the medal podium with Tommy Smith and John Carlos. The protests have largely been silent. They've been peaceful. They've been focused on the broader issues that people of color deal with every day in every city in America. I'm curious from your perspective, Quentin, if you could talk about the genesis of the current social justice protests surrounding the NFL. How did that start? And, and why is Colin Kaepernick sort of the center of the storm? And why was there such a backlash against him? Great question. The genesis was this activity between police and the communities they serve. Colin Kaepernick was protesting the killing of unarmed black men by police. He's made some mistakes along the way. He made a few, but those mistakes are minor compared to the greatness of his civil disobedience. And he decided he was not going to stand for the national anthem, not to display hate toward the nation that he loves, but to display that America is imperfect. And one of her imperfections has to do with the inequality in society. And the inequality is represented at its worst state by the unarmed killing of black men by police. And Walter Scott being an example, Tamir Rice being an example, this hit him so hard that he thought, you know what, I'm just not going to stand. I'm going to sit. And after a while, because of the attention he was getting, he was approached by some people to try to figure out how perhaps to protest in another way. And he compromised with a military gentleman that he would kneel and not sit. That was a compromise. And in between, there were some things that kind of skewed the argument. He wore the socks that had pigs dressed up as police. Hmm. That wasn't a good move. He publicly admitted that he had not registered to vote and he didn't vote. That was not a good move. And there may have been one or two other small things. And that just gave red meat to those who disagreed with the civil disobedience. But in no way was he trying to disrespect. And I know this because I've had these conversations with people who are involved with him, who know him very closely. In no way was he saying he hated America. And in no way was he saying he did he'd like our military. That was the farthest thing from the truth. He has great respect for the military. And it's the military who fight for his right to do what he's doing. So the argument became something that it was not. He was protesting the killing of black unarmed men. He wasn't protesting Vietnam. He wasn't protesting against the, the military. It had nothing to do with the military. It just had to do with innocent black unarmed men being shot. And I think that that's where, you know, we've gotten to this place, particularly with this current administration that has just ripped the lid off of this issue. Because if you look at last season, they found this thing that every time that they need something that can be sort of a diversion, they just rip the Band-Aid off again. And, and LeBron James was recently interviewed on CNN. It's not a secret that he's no fan of our current president, but he felt that Trump was using sports in general as a way to divide the country, where sports has traditionally been a way for us to come together and celebrate. Why is this such a hot button issue for this administration? And is it just a thinly veiled, racially motivated statement? Well, dividing our nation has been used as a technique by politicians for 
you know, centuries. This is nothing new. It's not a new strategy. Dividing our nation over explicit race issues is something that has been elevated to another level as of late. And it, it has created this gap that if you think about it, if you're the NFL, it's it's really interesting because the NFL is caught in the middle of this tug of war. And there are people who support what Donald Trump is saying, and they don't want to watch football because they are upset about the protests. And then the other party, they don't want to watch football because they are upset that the NFL is forcing the issue in a way that they don't want it to be for. They're forcing the players to stand. So both sides of this issue are not coming together. They're going in opposite directions. And the NFL is sitting there in the middle saying, everybody is going in a direction that doesn't benefit us at all. We're not even keeping half of the people because they're all mad at what we're doing. And they've ruined so many lives. I mean, Colin Kaepernick has been drummed out of the game. I look at the collateral damage here, and at the end of the day, it is what you're saying. It's like we're serving no one. But if you look at the NBA, the NBA has been able to find a way to build its business. The NBA is more popular than ever right now. And that is with a huge social justice platform. Right. Because you hear Carmelo Anthony and Chris Paul and Dwayne Wade and LeBron. They're very vocal about what they're saying. They do stand for the national anthem, and there's no protest by players when it comes to that on the court. But they feel free to do things in other ways, and that satisfies them. And they're not asked to stifle that at all. And I think their relationship with the ownership and with the league is different than the relationship that the NFL players have with ownership in the league. That's what needs to happen. There needs to be a different dynamic in order to get this thing right in the NFL. And it's such big business, though, Quentin. I mean, we're talking a massive business stake here for the NFL. It's one of the things we stand for, football. So how does this get fixed? Well, personally, I believe that there's no way to, quote unquote, fix it by trying to instill fear. You're dealing with men, although they have a very short window of opportunity, they're still men, many who have a very strong belief about how they want to be remembered, their legacy, and they are willing to take a stand. And if you tell them not to, they're going to dig in. So that the fear aspect will not help. I think the only way to do it is to follow that recipe for reconciliation. It's applicable for many different things, and it's applicable here. The first step is to listen, and to listen really to genuinely care and show compassion for why this is happening. I don't know that that conversation has happened enough, because the crux of the argument for the players is that young black men who have no weapon on them are being shot, some in the back. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to that being told, the numerous stories of it, it's hard to fight it. It's hard to fight against that rationale, but it takes listening. It takes a deep-seated understanding and the willingness to learn about that perspective. And once you do that, then, as I said, you start to acknowledge the history. I mean, you start to acknowledge the history of sports. 
And it's only been within the last 50, 60 years where you've had integrated sports. So understanding all of this helps all parties to come to some common ground. But if you don't start listening, it just continues with the cycle of dysfunction. And that's why the NBA has been successful, because people at the NBA office have really listened to the players and they understand their position. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for taking an hour and a half out of your busy schedule for us this evening. It's been such an inspiring conversation, and I just have to thank you for what you do. It was my pleasure. I thank you, and I thank you for what you're doing, what you and Kim are doing, and uh, God bless you. Do you have any social media that you can pass along? Sure. I'm uh, on Facebook at M, as in Michael. Quentin Williams, and I'm on Twitter at MQBLW, and the same with Instagram and uh, and uh, LinkedIn and Quentin Williams as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm on social media. Have a decent presence on social media as well. Please come back for part two of our interview, where we can get a sense from Quentin of his early years and learn about the book he wrote for his son. If you have protested for anything in the past 18 years, you very well may be in my book, I Protest. Please go to my website, tishlampert.org. That's www.tishlampert.org and see if you can find yourself in my book. You can also follow me on Twitter at TishLampertCom. That's at T-I-S-H-L-A-M-P-E-R-T-C-O-M. And find me on Instagram, T-I-S-H underscore L-A-M-P-E-R-T underscore O-R-G. And I want to invite everyone to go to Tish Lampert's America Speaks on Apple Podcasts, where you can find our archived episodes. And once again, I want to thank James Koblenz, Oscar Batista, and Kim Langbacker, without whom this episode would not be possible. And lastly, we would love to hear from you. Please write to us at americaspeakspodcast at gmail.com and tell us what you thought of today's episode and come back for our next episode of America Speaks. Remember, America Speaks believes every one of us has a story. And a voice. <laughs>